There's over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show at Freightways where we focus on all things sustainability as it relates to transportation. I'm your host, Danny Gomez, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Francisco Alvarez, Principal Research Scientist at Convoy. Uh, Francisco, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks a lot, Danny. Happy to be here. Before we jump into the meat of the conversation, um, we'd love to get some background and some context on who our guests are, what you know, what makes them tick, and what really drives them to sustainability. Do you mind just jumping into your background and kind of how you wound up at Convoy, and then maybe talk a little about your role there at, um, as a research scientist? Yeah, yeah, happy to do that. So uh, my background primarily is uh, in meteorology. So I, you know, kind of went around, you know, doing the whole, I'm going to have like a bunch of different majors uh, type of approach to college, like so many of us usually do. And it ended up that I was really good at programming. And ever since I was a kid, I always had a love of meteorology, like either tracking hurricanes or being excited whenever there was a tornado warning and doing the dumb kid thing and just running outside instead of like taking shelter or or looking at the hail fall and stuff like that. That's 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 kind of what I ended up doing. So I I got my undergrad degree at St. Louis University in uh, uh, in meteorology, <clears throat> and it turns out I I loved it so much I decided to get a master's and a PhD. And my dissertation research was on uh, machine learning and tornado forecasting, and specifically trying to provide probabilistic uh, forecasts about whether a tornado is going to hit within a certain region, like 10 days in advance. And the crazy thing was that it actually worked. Ended up being an experimental product um, from NOAA for a bit. Um, Forecasters liked it somewhat. Storm chasers loved it. Um, And it turns out I I really enjoyed the whole machine learning aspect. Um, And so I ended up getting a job um, after uh, graduate school uh, in digital agriculture. Um, not like Farmville, but, you know, like combining, you know, combining like data science and machine learning and things like satellite and radar and uh, Internet of Things sensors, soil sensors in order to maximize yield. And, <clears throat> you know, that was a lot of fun. And then I heard about Convoy from a former colleague who uh, worked at Convoy at the time. And the entire mission sounds really awesome. And I ended up taking the jump specifically, you know, focusing on on machine learning, uh, improving like price prediction, things like that. Um, and then I was also like, oh, by the way, I also have these degrees in meteorology. And we know weather is, you know, pretty important in terms of logistics. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. And what I typically do, you know, you know, to help out, uh, you know, I do a lot of mentoring of early career colleagues. I do a lot of um, machine learning and programming and working on the infrastructure for our machine learning things. But in terms of sustainability, uh, you know, my title, I suppose, is also lead meteorologist at Convoy. <laughs> um, easy to be the lead when you're the only one. And um, and really try to focus, uh, like when there is a pretty big event, try to get really ahead of it and inform the amazing folks, you know, who are in the trenches, you know, whether it's people working in operations or, you know, like brokers or, or, or people like that, 
account managers really trying to help out with figuring out like how disruptive is this event going to be. And the marketplace disruption folks are like super awesome at that as well. And so that that's that's primarily my focus. And as you can imagine, you know, with a lot more extreme events occurring every day, it's it, it, it's it's becoming a lot more important to be able to be aware of these of these events um, and, and, and make sure we're not, you know, make sure we look out for the safety of others and make sure the business isn't disrupted. So we uh, for those who, you know, aren't super familiar with Convoy, Convoy is a new really a new breed of um, broker in the space. Maybe just give a little context of like what makes Convoy take. We had, we had the, you know, the, the luxury of having Dan Lewis be our first guest on Net Zero Carbon podcast um, a little over a year ago. And so um, for those who didn't tune into that first episode, uh, maybe a little bit about Convoy. So Convoy's primary mission is to really eliminate waste. So, you know, just have essentially zero waste in terms of trucking and freight and logistics. And and it's it's pretty crazy to kind of think about, you know, because coming from meteorology and then I had no idea about anything freight related or logistics related. And one of the things that really struck me was the amount of empty miles that that occurs within, you know, the industry. Like typically many road trips I took in like undergrad or grad school, you know, you always see these semi, you know, tractor trailers and I was always thinking like, oh, I wonder what they're transporting. And then, you know, a good amount of the time, it's actually nothing. And one of the important missions of Convoy is is to really try to focus on reducing that essentially wasted miles, empty miles, and, and and also wasted time as well. You know, time is one of our most valuable resources. And so kind of thinking about in terms of like, a you know, like digital brokerage and, and stuff like that, being able to like batch, you know, or have these like green appointment windows. Um, those things are like super important. And, and so that's pretty much what I try to focus on the most in terms of, you know, my day to day and, and really try to really try to drive that mission and, and drive that goal. And is, is it a lofty goal? Yeah. But where's the fun in aiming for low goals, right? Um, very true. You know, in, in even talking to Dan, um, a couple of times I've had the pleasure of interviewing him. There seemed to be one, this early, this early focus and this early goal that didn't precede reducing emissions because that's been going on for a long time. But it did seem a little bit um, ahead of the pack in terms of, you know, what the peers were for focusing on in transportation. And there's a lot of putting putting sustainability as um, a very important initiative that now has a lot of attention and adoption and recognition aside. Convoy had a very strong mission layer on to the fact that globally we are hyper focused on reducing emissions. It just gave extra credence to what convoy was doing and and i was um in dan's you know conversation saying how he took a very pragmatic approach to to solving freight um and it just turns out that one of the things that we often talk about on this show is efficiency that's something everyone can get behind um and then the added benefit um, of that is reduced emissions and it's the focus of the show right we're, we're trying to uncover unearth bring to the surface all the cool things that are going on and every every interview I have, it, it continues to to inspire really myself and hopefully others. As it you know, for context, right? And I think this is a helpful 
for, for you to, for having you on the show, I think it's really helpful for the context and what, you know, kind of this um, circularness of what is happening in transportation, right? Transportation is a big emitter. Emissions contribute to weather. Let's dig into that a little bit. I know there's probably a large range of acceptance and skepticism um, in that m- messaging. As a meteorologist and a scientist, you, how does how do you think about it and how do you think about explaining it to other people? That's a really good question. Typically, the, the way I try to explain it is, is put it in a way that, you know, is really reson, you know, really resonates with folks and kind of avoid some of those like anchor points that we typically have. Like, for, like, like, for example, one of the key anchor points that people to have is like, oh, you shouldn't eat, you know, you shouldn't go swimming like 30 minutes or an hour after swimming. But those are just really arbitrary. And it's really interesting that people typically hold on to those types of anchor points. And oftentimes, those anchor points are perhaps clouded or misremembered. So like, you know, sometimes the people will say, oh, we always had hot summers, you know, when I was a kid. And yeah, I mean, probably, but that's also completely relative as well. Like, it's not so much that the summers weren't hot. There's no denying, you know, like, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, summers were hot, totally. The problem is that it's those super hot times that are really sticking around and are really becoming more and more often. So, for example, like St. Louis, Missouri, right? Like, you know, we used to get a bunch of days sub-zero degrees, below freezing, you know, whether you're looking at Fahrenheit or Celsius or whatever. And those just aren't necessarily happening nearly as often as they used to. And so really trying to focus more on, like, kind of how the recent past compares to the distant past, but not also not necessarily invalidating someone's memories or invalidating their feelings. Those are things that are, like, super important when it comes to communicating essentially what, you know, some of the changes that we're seeing. And, and you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's not easy. You know, there's a lot of really strongly held opinions about this. And some of it is misinformation. Some of it is, is misunderstanding. And that's fine, right? I mean, you always have to come with like an empathetic, you know, point of view to this. You, you, you just can't go in, you know, guns a blazing and be like, oh, everyone's an idiot except for me. First off, that's, I mean, that's inaccurate, you know, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I misunderstand stuff. I misunderstand stuff all the time. Um, but, but really understanding, you know, and, and trying to relate on a personal level with with folks, you know, skepticism is, is natural, right? I mean, it's important to, to be able to, to to message it in a way that does resonate with folks. What does the data show you? I mean, whether it's extreme heat or on let's, tornadoes or hurricanes or you know. All of this is interconnected, right? What is the data saying? I mean, I think we know what the data is saying. Um, definitely, it's interesting because global warming used to be like a really, you know, key key term. And it's not so much like everywhere in the globe is necessarily warming up equally at the exact same time. But it's this overall warming and this overall essentially putting in all this, you know, CO2 and then, Methane is another big one that kind of, you know, goes, you know, it's it's one of those like silent, like really creepy, like really big, big impact uh, type of things. Um, 
you know, with the amount that, that we keep on putting in and, and the sinks essentially are not capable of keeping up. I mean, we've seen, you know, if you go back through the geological data, you know, you see similar events caused by like massive uh, volcanic volcanic eruptions, um, stuff like that. Like it, it really causes this impact. And so the data is definitely there. And as we get more data, of course, you know, we it becomes easier to to attribute some of these extreme events to a changing climate. And whether that's like, you know, because, oh, this one place warmed up, you know, a little bit less than these other things um, in these other places. I mean, yeah, but it's 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 insane how interconnected everything in the globe is. Uh, I, was, I just gave a talk about La Nina to Convoy. Um, it's sort of like, you know, a 20 minute fun talk about like, you know, introducing like why, you know, what La Nina, you know, the impacts. And it's crazy thinking about this region in the central uh, Pacific, you know, warms up, you know, the water either warms up or cools down. And that has impacts on whether California gets more rain than usual or less rain than usual, or the Atlantic hurricane season is stronger than usual or amplified, whether Seattle has a good ski year or not. And, and I think, you know, when, when, when you, when you put it like that, it really opens up people's eyes about like, oh, often all these things really do have this impact. This everything that people do has necessarily an impact. Now, is it a lot of impact? No, you know, but collectively, it can be a lot of impact. And so, so kind of bringing it to a personal level really, really helps drive that message. Yeah, we're in an industry that has a lot of, um, I think a lot of a lot of gains to make in terms of like just cultural acceptance. I think you know the big shippers out there are um, in the in the more um, aggressive or you know leading edge brokerages or LSPs are 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 adopting the message and doing what they can. There's a very long tail in trucking that side of the business that Convoy um, tends to tap into. So you guys are pretty uniquely situated, right? And um, and especially because of the culture that you have and the awareness you have around waste to drive efficiency and to drive messaging, really. Um, you know, as we look at whether and how it, and how it impacts our industry, um, you know, it, it doesn't take a big mental leap to, to understand how forest fires impact um, transportation. Um, but helpful, I think, just for the audience um, that's tuning in, you know, Convoy is focused on reducing empty miles. That is in turn going to have a reduction on emissions, which hopefully also also contributes to just the general lowering of emissions in our industry, um, and then hopefully has an impact on um, on carbon emissions at large and reducing um, the the speed at which, or hopefully the overall global warming impact. Um, what are we seeing? What are carriers today experiencing? What, what is the real, if you were to go and sit at a truck stop, interview a bunch of truckers and say, hey, been it for 30 years. Um, do you think that they would see the impact that weather has had on their business? Um, and maybe, you know, in talking to that, in talking to that audience, um, like we, like you said, right, it's, the summers were always hot, right? Like, well, yes, they were. Do you remember this specific event? And, and taking maybe like that um, La Nina example, like what are some what are some ways to communicate to 
to continue to grow recognition of, uh, of the problem. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting kind of thinking about that question about, like, let's say I go to a truck stop and I talk to folks who've been in the industry 15, 20, 30 years. There are fewer groups of people who are more weather aware than drivers. Like, it's, it's so amazing just how in tune they are with the weather. It's, it's great to see, of course, as, a, you know, as someone with a background in meteorology. And one of the primary reasons I got into meteorology was to help people you know, like help people stay safe. It's, it's great to see that. And it's always great to hear that. I think um, in terms of how the weather is changing, you know, you know, like their approach, you know, necessarily things, I, I think it could be, it could be kind of twofold. Like oftentimes, if we're thinking about, you know, climate change, it's on a much larger scale or much longer scale than how most folks operate day to day. Like maybe I'm interested in getting my next job, right? And that's like a couple days out. Like how can I think about something that will occur over the course of like 10, 20 years when my primary time frame is on, you know, an order of like hours to days. And I think that's, you know, that, that, that can make it really challenging to communicate that message. But I also think, like, like you don't even really need to look that far back to see some of these events, like the extreme heat, like in the Pacific Northwest, right? Like we're hitting, and this may sound absurd to folks in like Texas and, and you know, where I'm from, St. Louis, in the Midwest, we're hitting like 92, 93 degrees. And that is actually extreme. That's, that's extreme for this area. We don't normally get temperatures like that on an extended scale. And then, you know, you look at like St. Louis and the Midwest in general has just been like really like an oven lately. And so you, you constantly see that and you, there's likely more demand for things, you know, like, like bottled water. Um, but then you also see like the, the massive swings. And again, you do not have to look that far in order to see these swings and to see that these actually impact your livelihood. Like St. Louis, Missouri, I want to say on Monday or Tuesday, they broke their all-time daily precipitation record. And that goes back hundreds of years, right? Like, they had 7.8 inches of rain in six hours. That's insane. The, 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 the most amount of rain, like, before that, I want to say, was the 19, maybe 15 Galveston earthquake, not earthquake, hurricane, the remnants of that. Um, back before they named hurricanes. And so it's just like, oh, this year, this, this is where it hit. And it does not take a lot of water to basically lift up a truck, let alone a car. And you look at any of the pictures in St. Louis, when that happened, and like entire interstates were flooded. Like that, had, I've never seen that happen before. And I lived in St. Louis for a good 30 years. Like we had the flood of 93. That was a very prolonged event. This was a flash flood, and it's hard to get that message out. Like, it's, it's hard to get that message out just fathoming, like, oh, this amount of rain. It's kind of abstract, right? Like, I say seven inches of rain, and what is, you know, like, how, how do you fathom seven inches of rain? But when you frame it in a sense, like, yeah, you could be driving, and then all of a sudden you can't get anywhere because the interstate's flooded, and then let's say you decide to do, you know, the crazy thing, and you decide to drive through it, Next thing you know, your truck is lifted up and your life is in danger. Like, that's not alarmism. That, that's like literally things that happen. And being able to communicate 
the risks and how often those risks are occurring now is is super, super important. And and that really resonates, not in like a scare tactic sort of way, but just saying, you know, you, you could be skeptical, but these are literally the things that are happening. And here are the images to, sh- to prove it. And here is all of these things that are occurring that can actually impact your livelihood and and your life, actually. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, just to, I never thought of that, of truck drivers being so weather um, attuned. I mean, you, you think also of other other industries like farming, right? That's um, it's actually you know, where people are very in tune with the weather and how changes have impacted farming. And I'm sure that resonates with your background as well. Um, but finding that common language, right? Like where it's something that they can relate to that they're experiencing in real life um, and being able to communicate along along those lines, I think is, is important um, to consider. You know, just, you know, synthesizing what you've been saying thus far, um, you know, there's obvious impacts um, it's fairly easy to tie them back to what what are the general causes of rising temperatures and what impacts and fluctuations of volatility that really puts on weather and how that weather impacts transportation and how we understand how that can create, you know, unsafe situations as well as, you know, impact people's um, ability to, to, to operate in the market. It is interesting. I didn't have any really thought so much about the demand shift in products and how, how weather changes what, you know, what parts of the country are are trying to get their hands on different kinds of goods. Um, wrapping that kind of wrapping that up a little bit and thinking about what is we know what convoy is doing. Um, empty miles is a, is a huge push um, and efficiency. Um, and you know one thing I heard and it related to the investment in um, carbon offsets versus you know mitigation or, or reduction emissions. And how important it is for us to be focusing on reducing rather than um, offsetting, um, though offsetting may play a role. How do you how do you see like where is the industry need to go? I know that's a very broad question, and we don't have a ton of time left. But um, you know, it may be a little bit like, uh, what role do you play? Um, and maybe, as you said before, it's, it's a very you know, large scale problem in your single person, but you, you do have the benefit of um, the convoy as a platform um, to extend, you know, your, your thinking and, and uh, approach. Kind of, kind of what would you like to see happen in the next few years? That's a really good question. And I'm quite an ambitious person. Um, and obviously some of it, you know, reducing empty miles always. I think that's a, I think that's a really big one, I think. But, but I don't think that alone will necessarily resolve everything. Um, and that's, you know, not like a some grand revelation that I'm coming up with, right? Like, I, th- I think we know that. At the same time, I think there's a lot of changes to the infrastructure that would need to occur in order for some of these, like, maybe more obvious type of solutions to, you know, to come to fruition, like electric trucks, for example. Like, it's, it's that seems like the most obvious one, but at the same time, it's hard to imagine just making that switch over right now because that infrastructure just doesn't necessarily exist to the scale that we would need it for logistics. On top of that, you also have all these owner operators. Like all of a sudden they're supposed to like buy electric trucks and and they may, you know, they may not have the funds to do it. They may not, there may not even be enough supply for them to do it. I, I think, 
I think there needs to be some like really large scale, really large scale type of movement, essentially, in order to, to be able to do this and, and be able to like, really work together as a complete industry in order to make this a thing, whether it's everyone having like flexible hours, you know, for for deliveries, and that's super tough to do instead of like very fixed hours. Because then maybe people are like idling, um, which then increases the, you know, the emissions. Um, at the same time, it's really hard to go to one person and be like, oh, no, no, you need to, you need to do this. Um, because, you know, like I want to say Obama had a great quote where it was like, you know, we're not, we're not going to solve climate change by changing our light bulbs, right? Like just because I put LEDs up, that's not going, and not, now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Um, and then I just go take a ferry to work every day. Um, like that's just not how it works. And, and so it legitimately feels like there needs to be some like really like large scale, like collective initiative in order to really make this a thing. And is that going to happen overnight? No, no, it's not going to happen overnight, but it needs to start. And I feel like that's, that's like my idealistic, you know, really ambitious type of goal. And can we help out? Yeah, I mean, Convoy helps out, you know, with like, you know, these green appointment times with, you know, automatic reloads, with batching, things like that. Like that, that really helps. Now let's take it to the next step. And that's, that's going to take quite, quite the initiative, but I, I truly believe it can happen. I think you're right. Um, I think that's a great inspirational note to end on because I do think that there is a lot of momentum and groundswell that's happening around sustainability. Um, and we're excited to see what Convoy continues to do. We're excited to see what the industry does at large and how we continue to pull together um, for this for this cause or this, not even a cause, for this goal, right? Um, and so we appreciate everything that you guys do. I really appreciate you being on the show. For those who want to be connected to you or Convoy, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, just uh, check us out on Twitter or on our website. Yeah, Convoy. Awesome. Francisco, thank you so much. Cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you doing all this and really spreading the message of sustainability. It, it really means a lot. Thanks. over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions.